This episode of Ministry Monday is brought to you by St. Meinrad's Seminary and School of Theology. St. Meinrad's mission is the effective formation of the clergy and the laity for the life of the Church. Discover all the programs and events that St. Meinrad has to offer at stmeinrad.edu. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 180 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello, we are so glad that you are tuning in with us today. Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Ministry Monday will be celebrating the Advent season alongside you through what we are calling the Advent series of episodes. The next four weeks of episodes are designed to provide you, pastoral ministers, with added support during, quite frankly, one of the most stressful times of our year. Please also know that we are praying for you as we all journey through Advent and Christmas together. Each week in Ministry Monday's Advent series will be centered around the psalm for that Advent weekend as well, and will be read at the end of each episode for reflection. The first episode in Ministry Monday's Advent series features a conversation with Father Jan Michael Jonkis. Father Jonkis helps us explore the liturgical texts that we will be hearing in the weeks to come. How can we hear them with a sense of newness? And how can we, as pastoral ministers, be renewed in a season of Advent preparation so often fraught with extra responsibilities and stress? How can the wisdom of the church and its prayers guide us? Today on Ministry Monday, I'm speaking to, let's see, how do I start? J. Michael Jonkis, Father Mike Jonkis, Dr. Mike Jonkis, Father Jonkis, Father Mike, or just Mike. I don't know. How would you like me to address you today? Well, just Mike is absolutely fine. Do not call me Mickey. I would not like that, but Mike is fine. Uh, I should tell you that uh, one of my sisters uh, taught her children to refer to me as Uncle Dr. Father. And (laughs) I think that was highly confusing to them, but nonetheless, multiple titles. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Well, I will not refer to you as Uncle Dr. Father today. Thank you. Mike is fine. Mike, hello. Thank you for being on Ministry Monday today. My pleasure. So today we're going to be talking about Advent. Of course, Advent is 
it's such a challenging time for pastoral musicians as we work to prepare uh, for what I like to call the sprint, the sprint of Christmas Eve. But we also know, I mean, it's more than that. It's it's all of Advent and it's all of the preparations that come there as well. And so I asked to talk with you today so we could stop and savor Advent. You know, I, again, I'll just speak for myself. I'm not sure that's something I do very often. I understand. And if I could, what it, before we ever get into the individual texts and rituals of, of the Advent liturgy, the contrast between the way, say, the United States keeps a season and the way the Roman church keeps a season. The best way to say it is that in American culture, if the feast, in this case Christmas, is the high point, we prep for that way back when. Uh, it used to be maybe Thanksgiving and then we'd move toward, and then it became long before Thanksgiving. And now it's even before Halloween and That's people right. are building and building and building. <laughs> frankly, because of economics. The idea is let's get the, all of these sales going, let's get a lot of cash going. But then you hit the high point and the high point is, <sighs> is it Christmas Eve or Christmas day? Well, it's whenever we open the presents, right? And then there's a great collapse. And then once again, we start pushing up and it's to New Year's Eve bowl day, right? So what we've really got is Long, 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 long preparation, bell shape, or not a very steep curve, and then a crash. Right. Roman rite doesn't do that. The Roman rite is a bell-shaped curve. And you start relatively close to the high feast, in the case of Advent and the Roman rite, four weeks. But then you reach the feast and savor it, and then continue on to a whole series of extended versions of these. So Christmas, but then Epiphany and Holy Family and Baptism of the Lord. And all of these become ways of kind of gradually going back into ordinary time. So what the church is asking liturgical musicians and, and ministers to do, and what the culture is influencing them to do, is really kind of strong. It's, it's difficult. Um, I have no easy way of of, of negotiating the difference between those two ways of keeping time. Uh, some folks used to laugh and say, well, we have no Christmas parties whatsoever. We don't sing Christmas carols. We don't do anything until December 25th. And then of course you get around it by saying, well, okay, well, I guess we won't have a Christmas party until after, but we can have an Advent party in the second week of Advent. And <laughs> That happens a lot in schools, honestly, because they they get out before the actual feast, and but they have to celebrate it somehow. So anyway, you get you get the idea. I do, I do. It's interesting though. Let's just stay on this for one second. It's interesting though that you you pointed something out too. There is this cultural expectation to savor the season in almost the opposite direction of what we as a, as a church believe, as you just said. And I do think that makes things harder for pastoral musicians because there is this expectation of trying to, of course, be a part of a family and everything, social events, while you are preparing for this incredible season ahead. I couldn't agree more. And as a celibate, I can only say that's a great advantage for me. <laughs> because I can really focus this way. But all of those with families, especially young families being concerned about how do we prepare, 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 
but then we're gone to do our ministries and it's it's really hard on families i think uh, but that's part of the the wisdom that people gain from uh, from the experience right exactly so let's take it now into a liturgical context sure. so let's talk a little bit about something that we as a church as faithful here all of the time and that I said to you right before we started recording, I will openly admit I myself have not taken time to prepare this way in Advent before. And that's the prefaces for Advent Year C. So can you talk a little bit about them? Oh, I would love to. And you're going to have to interrupt every once in a while because as a university <laughs> professor, I just go on and on and on and on. Okay. Um, but but I'll try. Uh this is uh, a rather unique uh, liturgical form, unique to the Roman Rite. In other words, we have these variable prefaces. So in the, in the prior to Vatican II, when we had only one Eucharistic prayer, what was called the Roman Canon, the only thing that would really change, other than a few things within the, within the canon itself, were the prefaces. And even then, we only had 11 or 15 of them, depending on where we were looking. So one of the major reforms of the Second Vatican Council was opening up multitudes of prefaces that give us the particular focus for today's celebration. So the neat thing about the Advent prefaces is they, there are only two of them in the Roman Missal, and what they mark are the two subsections of the season of Advent. So we begin Advent by looking at the end of time. Now that seems a little odd, but in fact, we're taping this right in the last weeks of the, of the liturgical year. And we're already seeing all of these readings about the end of time, uh, Feast of Christ the Kings coming up and, you know, master of the, and sovereign of the entire universe. Well, that idea of Christ's second coming, the so-called parousia, technical term, um, is very much what dominates the first part of Advent, right up until December 16th. That's, we use this first preface. So that, and then we're, we're going to look in the second preface toward the actual nativity of Christ in history. Good. Okay, now we're back to preface one. But uh, as a little introduction of this, I want to talk about how the prefaces are structured, because that will help us to figure out what we should pay attention to when we're hearing them chanted or, or recited. So every preface in the Roman rite has three elements. There's what's called a protocol, and that you know it doesn't mean something that you figure out where everybody stands in a in a, a greeting of the U.S. president. That's not the protocol that we're talking about. It just means the opening uh, materials, and they're fairly stereotyped. Uh, they sound always uh, a way of moving from the opening dialogue into the body of the preface. So what we've got in the opening dialogue is the priest addressing the congregation. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And then the protocol takes up that refrain. It is right and just. 
So the protocol will be, it is truly right and just. You acknowledge what the people have said and then gradually move from talking to them to talking to God. So a protocol. Then the second part is called the body. <laughs> not, not a terribly technical term, but what it means is, yeah, exactly. What it means is this is the variable material where we really look at the particular reason why we're celebrating this particular Eucharist. And then the final element, part three, is called the escata call. Uh, just like the term eschatology, which means the study of the last things. Well, the protocols, the opening, eschatocals, the closing. And here we again make a transition. We recognize that our worship here on earth is connected to the heavenly worship. So there's usually a reference to the angels and the saints, and that we all together are going to sing uh, the great acclamation of the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer, the holy, holy, holy. So that's the structure. Good enough? I'd say so. Okay. Then I will now show how that operates looking at the first preface of Advent. Okay, here we go. The protocol. It is truly right and just, proper and salutary. By the way, I'm give, giving my own translation from the Latin. Okay. Uh, you, you can check it out <laughs> if you want, but I like doing that. So it's truly right and just, proper and salutary for us always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty, Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. So that's the protocol. It's fairly stereotyped that very dignum et justum est, truly it is right and just. Uh, and notice that there's this uh, direct reference to Christ himself. So addressed to the Father and through Christ our Lord. Now we get to the body. Well, the first part of, of or the, the, the first preface for Advent uh, will be looking to the end of time. That's what that subsection is about. So here it comes. Through Christ our Lord, who at his first coming in the humility of assumed flesh, fulfilled the task of the ancient agreement and brought us to the entranceway of perpetual salvation, so that when he comes a second time in the glory of his majesty, we might recognize the task made manifest, which promised reality, now keeping vigil, we dare to await. Now, if that sounds almost ungrammatical to you, <laughs> that's because it is magnificent in Latin. The contrast between the first coming, the adventu, and then the second coming, the secundo adventu, um, is just absolutely beautiful. Let me unpack just a couple of the terms. At his first coming in the humility of assumed flesh, fulfilled the munus. That's a technical term in Latin. And the problem is it means so many things, it's almost untranslatable. So he fulfilled the office obligation, task, that's what I used, and offering, all in that one word. You wow. see, when we, bring, when we bring the gifts of bread and wine to, and water to the altar for concert, they're called the munera, the plural of munus. 
So that's a task, obligation, an office, an offering. It's all of those things together. And what the preface is telling us is that the intention of God the Father for all of humanity, for all of creation, frankly, has now come to a head in the life, death, deeds, and destiny of Jesus. And what we're awaiting is the manifestation of his glory. So Munoz, really important. Uh, the second time when he comes in the glory of his majesty, uh, I could go on for a long time about what glory means in, the, uh, in both Testaments. But just let's say that we think of it as meaning something visual, something radiant, uh, rays of glory. But probably the roots of this are actually heaviness. And that sounds bizarre to us. But the glory of someone is the the importance or the weight that that person has in the scheme of reality. So to declare God's glory is to declare God is central and everything else is not central. So that's the glory of Christ's majesty is to acknowledge his importance in, in the scheme of reality. Uh, and here now, what we're, what we're trying to do, and this is lovely, it says vigilantes, that's how we're referred to, the ones keeping vigil, the ones keeping watch through the night. And I love that image because the Advent wreath is so beautifully connected to that. As here in the Northern Hemisphere it gets darker and darker, we light candles against the darkness. And that's the way we keep vigil. We are keeping vigil now, awaiting the manifestation of Christ's glory at the end of time. So it's good enough. That's, that's the body for this first preface. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I'll go to the escado call, which is, almost, is, which is likewise stereotyped, like the protocol, but it's a little freer. So you get different formulations of it. But here's the one that you're going to hear, again, in my translation. Mm -hmm. And so, with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, or dominations, actually, from the Latin, and with the entire militia of the heavenly band, we sing the hymn of your glory, proclaiming without end, sine fine dicentes, proclaiming without end, holy, holy, holy. Mm. Yeah, I think it's quite lovely. So you're both getting a sense that all of the, the heavens are joining with us, or, or more accurately, we're joining with all of the heavens in God's praise. But I also love this entire militia of the heavenly band. I know. Um, yeah, isn't that interesting? Because it's kind of a military image, a militia, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're, what we're really connecting to is that title that appears in the Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. Now, unlike my little nephews and nieces who said, oh, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's the Lord of hosts, those little white wafers that you get to, you know, <laughs> they didn't get that this really means uh, a militia. It's, a, it's an army. The Lord God of the armies, Sabaoth. Um, and I could spend some time on that too, but since that's always what we what we sing in the Sanctus, it's not unique to Advent. So 
So how's that? Any questions, uh, comments you want to make just on that first um, preface? It gives a lot of clarity personally to me for you to break down at the very least to the three elements of the preface, because <laughs> pastor musicians, if you're listening, um, I know that what I always listen for is, and so, you know, that, yeah. that's the trend. That's a transitional language that I listen for like, mm -hmm. okay, the Holy Holy is coming, you know? So, but I'm so glad to understand that, um, to understand that, that transition there. Mm -hmm. yeah, ditto as a musician myself right uh, it's kind of fun to even even if i'm chanting this in latin at edio and therefore right, right. You're, you're getting ready for the for the sanctus mm -hmm. uh good enough good so enough. I, think, I think what i might shift now to is the second preface for advent which now looks at the second subsection post december 16th and now we're not looking to the end of time, the parousia, the return of Christ Jesus, to put an end to history, but we're looking at his nativity in the flesh, his birth um, in history. Now, I'm going to confess something to you. I think this preface is one of the most beautiful that has ever been written, because I, the, the, the opening and the closing, the protocol and the eschatical, exactly the same as what we heard in the preface one. But the body, the body now invites us to summarize the whole history of the scriptural waiting for Christ Jesus to be born. And it does it by three references. It talks about the prophets and then the Virgin Mary and John the forerunner. We say John the Baptist. Um, our Orthodox brothers and sisters would call him the forerunner. So let me give you my translation of the body of this second preface, then I'll unpack it a bit. Through Christ our Lord, whom the heraldings of all the prophets foretold, whom the Virgin Mother brought forth with ineffable love, and whom John sang, that which was to come, and then showed it forth at its coming. Who, namely Jesus, granted us to come rejoicing to the mystery of his nativity, so that he might find us both keeping vigil in prayer and exulting in his praises. So basically two little sections in that body. Um, the preconia, the heraldings of all the prophets. Well, you can hear prefatio, preface, preconium, uh, heralding. They're both these verbal declarations of what God's doing in history. So all of the prophets declaring as heralds that here is, is going to be the fulfillment of God's intention for history, number one. Number two, and the Virgin Mother brought him forth. I think our translation in the, in the Roman Missal that we're using says, with love beyond all telling. Yeah, I think you're right. Lovely, lovely translation. Mm -hmm. But the Latin is actually ineffable. With mm. love beyond speech. Mm. Love that can only manifest itself in kind of ah. Or frankly, we musicians when we find that language falls down and all we can do is melismatically 
allow that, that thing to come as pure sound for us. So the Virgin Mary brings him forth with ineffable love. And finally, and this is quite the giggle, John the Forerunner both sang conchinit, right? That's amazing. So he, along with the prophets, is, is, is singing forth these preconia. So he sings about what is about to come and then got the chance to actually see what was to come, namely Jesus, and then manifests it. Um, and there the easy one is to see in the, in, in the baptism of Jesus himself by John. So those three great figures, and then the lovely, lovely part where we then immediately jump, and we stand along with those three figures. We too come rejoicing to this mystery. And what are we supposed to do? Two things, keeping vigil, just like in that first preface, we keep vigil in prayer, but we also exult in his praise. Um, and there, I think we, we need to say this season of Advent, even though it uses uh, a, a purple violet color, there's a lot of debate about what it's actually supposed to be in the Roman, right? But what it's clearly not is a season of pure penitence. We used to think of Advent as a penitential season preparing for Christmas, just like Lent, a penitential season prepares for Eastertide. But that's not what the post-Vatican II reform says. This is a season of joy-filled expectation. And again, <laughs> I'm gonna use an example that my sisters tell me is not all that accurate, but I still like it. So and that, <laughs> and that is pregnancy. <laughs> uh, as, as a male, I of course have no knowledge of this at all, but it seems to me that the, the mother who is awaiting the birth of her child, even though they may have morning sickness and they may be exhausted and all those really tough things, but it's still a time of joy-filled anticipation. You're awaiting this glorious moment, which is getting more and more intense as the child grows. And in a way, the church is doing the same thing, that we're awaiting the mystery of the birth of Christ and the, the church bringing forth that mystery. So forgive me, my sisters, I still am using this example. I think at least from your perspective, like you said, you said yourself as a, as a guy and as a celibate wanted that, I'm sure, you know, your, your perspective is, is, you know, different than that. But I will say that I definitely see what you're speaking of. And I actually could even compare it to an extent too, for again, the, not to bring this up and harp on it, but the fact that the Advent season is particularly challenging for pastoral musicians and anyone in ministry for that matter. Um, and so it, yet, if we stop and truly focus on that joy-filled expectation and just think about what we are working towards, what we are preparing for as well, um, it can help, I believe it can help to support us um, during that stressful time. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Well, if it's okay with you, I'd love to transition to one more topic, if you're okay, okay. with that. Sure. I'd love to talk about something else that, again, we may breeze through as pastoral musicians, not all of us, but maybe some of us, I'll speak for myself. And that's that's the collects that we, we hear throughout Advent Year C. So with your wonderful wisdom, would you mind if we <laughs> broke those down as well? 
Uh, happy to, happy to. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to do the same thing I did with the preface. In other words, I'll Great. give you a little sense of how they're structured. Mm -hmm. And this one's going to be easy. There's a mnemonic you can use that only really works in English. Okay. But how is a colic structured? You who do through. <laughs> so those four words, okay. you who do through, <laughs> the, the structure, right? So what, what we do is start off with a direct address to God. Almost always in the Roman rite, this is going to be God the Father. A few times we might address Christ directly, but it's almost always God the Father. And we don't spend a lot of time debating. Oh, oh, magnificent mystery. What words could we ever use to it? None of that stuff happens. In the Roman rite, it's very straightforward. Usually, almighty and ever-living God, Deus, God, and then with a couple of, of adjectives. So you, that's what we start with. Who refers to a relative clause, and there's usually a clause that will either tell us more about God's character, God's activities, God, well, God's uh, character is probably the best word, what, what God is, or how God has acted in history. So a relative clause, almighty and ever-living God, who, blah, 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 blah. Then the third part is do. And what I mean by that is a collect is always a request. Unlike those prefaces that are just praise, 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 always and everywhere, here we're asking something. And almost always the request that we make of God is, is pretty general but it usually relates to the relative clause. And then at the end, through, and that's a stereotyped ending. So um, after a while, I mean, you, you, you learn uh, how to do it in Latin and you learn how to do it in English. It's very clear, right? So, so that there's a Trinitarian reference at the end of each of these prayers. Now, I'm gonna jump now. Well, is, is that good enough? Yes. And actually I have a question for you that I, sure. uh, I, this is probably a good place to ask recently in the last year. Um, I've noticed a shift at the end of collects where the clergy would say, um, God forever and ever, instead of one God for an ever yeah. and ever. Can you, can you speak about that? Sure. Uh, it's, it's one of those times when there was a debate going on about Deus how that was supposed to appear, how we were to translate it into English. And unus deus, honestly, that might appear in the creed, but it doesn't appear in the, in the collects. It's simply deus. So the question was always, is this prayer being addressed to Christ or to God the Father through Christ? Um, and the, almost always it is to God the Father through Christ in the Holy Spirit, all of whom are God. So you don't you don't you don't do a numeration thing at all. Uh, it, it's like the doxologies that we musicians sing at the end, where we'll talk about the unity and the Trinity, and both mysterious but both wonderful realities. So that's the reason why it's just God, not one God. Got it. Okay. So now let's leap to uh, the first of the collects. This is for. Advent Sunday one. And once again, I'll use my direct or literal translation from, from the Latin. 
Grant, we pray, almighty God, this will or intention or volition to your faithful ones that running toward your coming Christ with just works, having been gathered to his right hand, they may merit to possess the heavenly realm. Through Christ our Lord, I don't know, not so stereotyped ending. Again, did you get the sense that the Latin is so dense, so thick, that it's very hard to translate that into intelligible English, especially if you're only hearing it and not reading it. So let me unpack a little bit. Remember how I said we normally started with the direct address to God, Almighty mm -hmm. and Holy God. But in this, because Advent has this sense of, of, of movement, of going forward, of, of anticipating, they start with the request, grant, grant, we pray, Almighty God. So even by flipping those, those structures around, you're beginning to get a sense of how important this uh, season of expectation is. And what are we asking God to grant? That we would be transformed in our own spirits during this season. That, and here it comes, running toward your Christ, who is already coming. Again, that works in Latin just gloriously. But it's hard to, to, to pull, a, pull off in English because the idea is we are moving toward Christ and Christ is moving toward us and we're going to meet in this glorious thing. But what do we do? We carry with us the works of justice. Wow. So it's not penitential season. It's that we would come forward and the gifts we bring to the Christ who is coming to us are the works of justice. Then having already been gathered to his right hand, because we're his faithful ones, right? We might then merit to possess the heavenly realm. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. Nice, nice way to begin the season, I think, in, in, a, mm -hmm. in a glorious way. Mm -hmm. um, comments, questions, any insights you might want to share? No, that's a great way to start. Okay, good. Then I will jump to the collect for the second Sunday. So, almighty and merciful God, may no works of earthly activity get in the way of those hastening to the coming of your son, but may the learning of heavenly wisdom make us to be his companions, his consorts, his um, right-hand people, right? Now, again, we can unpack it. Almighty and merciful God. So just like you'd expect the direct address, the, there's no real um, uh, relative clause. You simply go directly into the appeal. And that's part of the Advent thing too. We can't fudge around in a way with all of the relative clause stuff. We have to get to the request. And this one I think is especially appropriate to all ministers working during Advent. May no works of earthly activity impede, get in the way of those hastening to the coming of your son. Mm -hmm. But instead, may plunging ourselves, immersing ourselves in heavenly wisdom, you see the contrast between earthly activity and heavenly wisdom, make us to be consortes, 
unbelievably wonderful word in Latin. May we be the ones who share with him in all things. Uh, yeah, so you probably have heard of the royal consort or mm -hmm. a reference mm -hmm. to the, the married person. Um, that's, it's the same word, frankly. So they're not saying we're going to espouse ourselves to Christ, but rather that we will share with him in his, his very life. So I think a good one uh, for, for us uh, church ministers in, in Advent to remember heavenly wisdom will help us uh, not make all of our earthly activity the real focus of our, our behavior. I love it. Oh, okay. Yes. Then let's take the third Sunday. God, okay, direct address. Mm -hmm. you, you who see your people faithfully await the festival of the Lord's nativity, right? So the relative clause notices that what we're doing right now is this anticipation of, of Christmas. And we'll be present, we pray, that we may be worthy to come to the joys of so great a salvation and to celebrate them always with solemn worship and swift rejoicing. Mm. Yeah. Again, I think that's, that's quite lovely. It's, it's not as immediately pointed as the second Sunday's colleague was toward, toward us, making sure right. that we can, yeah. But here it does tell us, what are we doing? Why are we helping with these songs? Why are we, because we are engaged in the votis solemnis, and it would actually be vows, the solemn vows, but the word is much wider. It really means our worship, our acts of devotion. And Laetitia Alacri. Mm. You can even hear it, right? In the, in the Latin, you can hear this playful, joyful, uh, swift rejoicing. So that's a pretty, pretty good one, too, I'd say. I think it's very fitting for Gaudete Sunday, I will say. Exactly, yes. No, and even though we don't take the name from this collect, we take it from yes. the sign mm -hmm. in Troit. But this is rejoicing. Sunday. It's rejoicing, absolutely, yeah. Now, the last one. <laughs> I am going to give literally, but then I'm going to recite what's in the present missile because it's going to okay. immediately hit those of us of a certain age who have prayed this prayer over and over and over. <laughs> so here we go. Your grace, we pray, Lord, pour out into our minds so that we, with an angel announcing it, come to know the incarnation of Christ, your son. Through his passion and death may also be led to the glory of resurrection through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, see if this rings any bells. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. So any of us that have prayed novenas, any of us that have prayed the rosary publicly, this is really impressed in our minds. And that's that's exactly the collect that we have for this last uh, Sunday of Advent. And what's it all about? That the incarnation, the first great manifestation, the first great mystery of Christ will lead us into his passion, death, and resurrection. So there you go.
the four collects of Advent. The four collects of Advent. All of this has been so wonderful. I wish I could hire you to just like sit down with me every week and say, now Amanda, let's just break, let's just break this down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with that being said, um, I think you've given us great tools that we can sit actually in all seriousness, if you're listening to this podcast, I think this would be a great thing to, to re-listen to um, and just fast forward to whichever Sunday we are in, especially in the collects, just as a refresher, maybe as you're driving to mass, because I think this is a, such a great tool you've offered to us to truly listen a little bit closer this particular Advent season, because it helps us to stop and think about something that, again, to be frank, we may hear four times on a weekend. And so how nice is it that you've given us tools for us to sit and truly listen and not just hear it during this Advent season? I really hope that'll happen. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom today. Um, I am so grateful that you were willing to talk with us on Ministry Monday. And again, as we started right before we started recording, I said, I hope this gives people a chance to stop and smell the liturgical roses, if you will. So I I thank you for giving us that opportunity. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thanks for the the possibility. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Here is the psalm upon which to reflect after hearing today's episode. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and for you I wait all the day. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and his covenant for their instruction. Thanks so much to Father Jonkis for his time and wisdom today. For more information about this episode and to learn about the upcoming Advent series at Ministry Monday, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org. The recording of Nun kommt der Heiden Highland BWV 659 was produced and recorded by me, Amanda Bruce, as it is a personal favorite of mine. The theme music for today's episode was produced by Aaron Schaus, and today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. 
With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.